Thank you for joining us on More Than That, a podcast where we dive a little bit deeper into what was preached on Sunday morning. We hope that this is enriching to your walk with Christ and that you love God and people that much more so that we can extend the glory of God to the people he has placed in our lives. So we'd buckle up and enjoy the conversation. Hey City Church, welcome back to More Than That. This week was really, really cool and really special because it was Gus's first week back behind the pulpit after being, um, I think it's called, what, what's it called? It was a mobilization. Mobilization. <laughs> after being mobilized um, for 13 months down in the southern part of the United States. Um, so um, Gus had the second kind of installment in the, the series of uh, of you know people of prayer through the book of Acts, and he had chapters eight and nine to work with. So, Gus, if you had um, an extra ten minutes or so to give us something else, what would it have been? Well, first of all, it's good to be back. Uh, it was it was strange how uh, I didn't expect it to be as uh, like it was, I was expecting like a different experience being back in the pulpit, but yeah. it was it was good to be back. Um, <laughs> so, kind of to recap, um, just to give a, I, get, I, I said I had a ten thousand foot overview. I'll just give a twenty thousand foot overview. <laughs> um, I focused on the relational side of praying, uh, and because I. I think that gets overlooked a lot like there's a supernatural part there's mm-hmm. a disciplined part but there is a relational part that happens when we when we pray for somebody when we receive prayer especially with the laying on of hands mm-hmm. and so I, I dug into that a little bit and um one of the things that i didn't get into because uh, it was kind of it would have been definitely a rabbit trail um, was the order of salvation part that okay. was in, um, and so looking at Acts eight and nine, there is a part in there where the sad, not the Sadducees, the Samaritans, Samarians, they receive, they believe and are baptized, but they don't receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned how. <clears throat> there are two groups of people, two camps of people that they point to this scripture. Both of them can't are opposing sides and they both point to the scripture and say, see, we're right. <laughs> so, which happens a lot. It, yes. More um, often than we care to admit. <laughs> yeah. So the, the question is like, when does the Holy spirit come? Were these people actually saved or were they not? So the, I'll go down to the 10,000 foot, view um the the question is order of salvation and when does the holy spirit come so if you look at the sumerians they believed and were baptized but they didn't receive the holy spirit so one camp who believes that they own the holy spirit is only imparted by the laying on of hands they point to that scripture and say see it takes apostles, they come, or leaders mm-hmm. of the church, they come, and they pray, and that's when the Holy Spirit's delivered. 
And then another camp uh, points to that scripture and say, well, they probably weren't truly believers yet. And so after they were, after Paul, uh, Peter and uh, John go, then they become true believers. And then the whole package deal comes to them. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes, or the, at least possibly the, the revelation of the gifts of mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit comes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're listening and are questioning or fall in one camp or another, I'm not, you know, typically city church doesn't dictate one thing or another. When yeah, it, yeah. This is a very much an open-handed discussion. Uh, there is definitely a benefit to laying on of hands. There is definitely a benefit to those denominations, those camps that believe in the imparting the Holy Spirit by laying on of hands. Um, typically, that's through catechism, and then they, you mm-hmm. know, once they reach a certain point in their <coughs> profession of faith, they mm-hmm. receive laying on of hands. Yeah, and then the other camp is very much uh, more so on the. Uh, I guess the movement, the the uh, experience that all comes in at once, and mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to get in because it gets really divisive. But uh, again, if you're listening to this and fall one camp or another, not dictating one or another. The point being in this scripture is that uh, it's probably not a good one to look at to prove one side or another because the point was that. God wanted Peter and specifically John to show up mm-hmm. and minister to them to to include the Sumerians into the church because mm-hmm. okay. um, they were a group that was often by the Jews uh, hated and despised and separate. So yeah, um, that's that was the point I was making in the sermon was that this is an exception, not the rule. So mm-hmm. let's not dwell on this uh, yeah. but it's kind of it is kind of an interesting topic to talk about yeah so. especially you know thinking about who luke was as a person yeah as um he's known, known known to be a physician <laughs> yeah. so um you know thinking about what doctors look at they don't look for everyday normal things mm-hmm. they look for anomalies yep and as a trained to have that type of trained eye to include something like this that was kind of like a standout thing yep. it wasn't probably wasn't meant to be a a um a rule of faith yep. as it was this is anomalous but it it fits here because yep. of this specific group of people so bear that in mind whenever you're reading um somebody like Luke who has specific training mm-hmm. and um and just kind of it makes more sense to um to do that same and, and adopt that method when you're reading the entirety of scripture. Yeah. Um, making sure that you know who's writing <laughs> yep. and who's writing it, who are they writing it to, where the circumstances, yeah. all that. Every, phrase. however many C's that you can put in there for context, <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, this is what you should be kind of looking at. Um, but one of the things that you, that you brought up and I want to give you the freedom to nerd out. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no holds barred um attachment theory you brought that up multiple times during the sermon and um again trained i as um somebody who's gone through professional counseling training Mm -hmm. um 
what is attachment theory? Um, just like in a nutshell, okay. um, you don't have to get like, you know, nuts and bolts detailed, but kind of like give like a 20,000 foot overview of what attachment theory is so that those those of us who are not counsel, counselor, um, DSM savvy, yeah. anything like that, um, can you give us a little snapshot of what it is and then like specifically why you brought it, why you brought it up? So first you tell me I'm going to get a chance to nerd out. Then you say I can't nerd out as much. So, well, <laughs> nerd out as much as you want. I but you. so you I've been, gave me the freedom both ways. I mean, I've been watching. Uh, have you ever seen Bones, the the no. show? So I've been get uh, like nerding out and just like binging Bones. Oh, okay. And one of the things that. Uh, Booth, the FBI agent, always says is like normal people terms when he's talking to <laughs> gotcha. uh, Sweets, the counselor. Okay. So it's like normal people terms, please, but nerd out as much as you can. Nerd out normally. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. If you're listening, if you think this is ever scripted, let this be proof that it's not. <laughs> so attachment theory is the field of study in counseling. It's actually a uh, counseling... Um, method that it looks at people in forms of how important is connection to to others um specifically and not specifically it it engages deeply with how we how our connection to usually our parents growing up and how that affects us now so again um if you hadn't listen to the sermon it, for those whose parents were not very um, stable, were not very structured, were, um, you know, here one minute, gone the next, or maybe emotionally not regulated. So uh, think of a child who coming home from school may have anxiety of, is mommy going to be happy today? Is mommy going to be sad today? Is, mm-hmm. is dad going to be, um, you know, Happy dad, sad dad, mad dad, you know, Mm -hmm. that instability affects how, has long-term effects. (laughs) So attachment theory (laughs) takes that and just kind of applies it. Uh, It's not just that you connected, how did you connect? Mm -hmm. And so there's, there is uh, typically they look at four, there's four categories of, um, Oh, that you fall into when it comes to um, to attachment, and I can't think of them off my head. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have Google to help us. But there, I mentioned uh, anxious attachment, mm-hmm. um, which which I may have. Is that kind of what you just described? Like with a child coming home and feeling anxious about the situation or environment well, they're going into? It's the um, it's the fruit of it. Okay. 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 So you're you're talking about the soil that prepared this mm-hmm. this after effect. Yeah. Okay. Um so there's secure, anxious, dismissive, and fearful, avoidance slash disorganized. And this is this is a uh, and there, there's, if you look, if you want to nerd out on this and you're seeing a bunch of, uh, 
different websites, different sources, they have different terms for it. Um, mm-hmm. But essentially the, the details of it are essentially the same. There's typically four categories. If you think about it on a spectrum, you know, X, Y axis, yep. you know, there's, um, there's positive and negative and uh, they're secure and insecure. So mm-hmm. wherever you fall, like you can, there's a range. It's not like silos. Yeah, you can kind of be in kind of a mix of one or multiple. Yeah. So the most, uh, I guess I would say the ideal is that somebody's secure in mm-hmm. their attachment. Yeah. So that's when... Um, it, Think about if you're in a relationship with somebody and you don't know where they are, what they're doing, and you're okay with that. You know, there is no anxiety. You're not mm-hmm. worried that they're going to be gone forever, that they're never coming back, that they're doing something to hurt you. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, or, you know, when you're going to engage with them, that you don't have a un- unreasonable uh, anxiety about it. So... Um, just think about a very stable, healthy relationship. That's a, that is the secure attachment. Um, mm-hmm. so that's the ideal. Um, I, there are certainly cases, you know, I say reasonable because there are cases where, you know, you should be worried that, you know, what, what's going to happen yeah, next time yeah. you show, see them. Yeah. But in general, if you don't have a, have the, disposition to continuously or constantly or that's your norm is to be anxious about um your relationships with people Mm -hmm. more than likely your 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 default attachment is secure Mm um and then there to stick with this model that i'm looking at um (laughs) because again there's multiple uh, there's anxious slash preoccupied. So, um, there's insecurity. You, you're, you are anxious when there something does happen. Your typical response is to, to freeze or, um, now most of us have heard of, uh, when we have a fear response, we either flee mm-hmm. or freeze. The- Fight or flight. Yeah, type. fight or flight. They're, they actually have discovered there's a third one now. There's, there's Interesting. Fawn. So like it, if, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah. You're basically just trying to please this person so that yeah. you're, you have safety, full mm-hmm. safety. Yeah. Um, so um, that's the one I talked about quite a bit because that's in self-reflecting. I haven't gone to a professional to be diagnosed but just self-reflection mm-hmm. and self-diagnosing i feel like that's more my default okay and that's why it's um, mm-hmm. being a introvert and anxious it just like feeds on each other <laughs> so yeah if you're listening to this and i reach out to you it's like a huge uh either step of courage for me or the holy spirit's working so uh <laughs> if you if you don't hear from me uh I'm sorry. Unlike the pa- <laughs> unlike the passage that you know you quoted that it's either or. It's my guess is it's probably both that are happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. And then the other two uh, dismissive. 
a kind of these other three besides a secure they share a lot of uh, similarities there's just slight variations that um, that really kind of like are their hallmarks mm-hmm. and um, it, if you're it's really helpful to if you can nerd out on this. <laughs> it helps you understand some people because often the, these things, the reason why they're acting the way they are is because it was done to them, not because it's their choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually when they react or when they act the way they are, it's usually a reaction the way they're feeling because of the way they're raised. Now, I'm not saying that they should be excused because of, you know, the way that they've been brought up. Um, if you're, if you're listening to this and you nerd out and you're like, Oh, wow. I'm also anxious, avoid, uh, anxious, um, preoccupied, dismissive, fearful, mm-hmm. whatever. Therefore I can continue acting like this. It's, I would encourage you to, you know, use this as a tool like this explains why I am the way I am. How can I get better? How mm-hmm. can I? Yeah. Um, it really helps. So in realizing, at least self-diagnosing that anxious preoccupy, like when I, I know I have these tendencies, I know these tendencies aren't healthy. Mm-hmm. So I am going to try to be more aware of how I avoid connection because I'm, you know, it's just opened me up to more hurt and press in to the, those times. Yeah. And, uh, with prayer and, uh, grace, I engage. And so therefore I'm better for it. Our mm-hmm. community's better for yeah. it. And as a church, if we're more aware of the, of, of attachment theory, then we can offer more grace Mm-hmm. of one, we can be more understanding and two, we can also challenge and say, Hey, you know, you've been doing this quite a bit. I noticed this tendency in you, this pattern, uh, have you considered X, Y, or Z or, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, can you tell me about your childhood? You know, what memories do you have? Um, how do you feel your, how, how connected do you feel to your parents or caregivers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it does, it's helpful, um, at least for me. Mm-hmm. And I've heard testimony of other people, you know, those light bulbs go off. Like that makes so much sense. Why yeah. Bob does, if your name is Bob, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Bob does this or Sally does that. Yeah. Um, because, you know, mm-hmm. we often, you know, we don't, we, this moment of an encounter isn't, in a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things, um, as I don't know what to call it, we'll just call it Cochlean. Um, Greg Cochel okay. and his book tactics, Gregian. Okay. I, I don't want to say Gregorian cause that's, <laughs> that's, something else. <laughs> that's something totally different. That's actually a thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know if Cochlean is a word or not, Can be. but I'm going to coin it. Um, but it, that reminds me of the whole tactics approach to 
engaging with people okay. um, where like as you're asking somebody, hey, tell me about your childhood. I want to get to know you mm-hmm. and I want to get to know what makes you tick. Why are you the way that you are? Because I want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. I love you. And in order for me to love you best, mm-hmm. that requires you letting me in. And I want to be there for that. And I mm-hmm. want to get to know the real you. Um, and that, um, <clears throat> that ends up building relational capital that um, you can trade on and, and maybe even point out like, hey, like I noticed that you're doing this, but also um, the the whole thing about like um, point. You might not even have to point it out. What you might be doing is giving them the ability to point it out for themselves mm-hmm. um, and come to a self realization. So um, those type of things <coughs> are kind of what what I think about whenever. You know, as as a church community, as we are thinking about attachment theory, how can mm-hmm. we apply it um, not just to ourselves yeah. and, and really start to think like, okay, why am I the way that I am and how can I help myself, but also how can I help those around me in the church? Yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I agree. The, I guess the thing I want to caution, like rarely ever can you say, here's a thing and just go ham on it. And mm-hmm. There's no repercussions or potential uh negatives to it so um don't try to fit people into a box Mm -hmm. um especially if you're not professional (laughs) so (laughs) yeah don't look at a person and say oh you're fearful avoidant you're going to be doing this and that so um it it just is helpful to be aware of the concept that you know, it may have nothing to do with you, why they are mm-hmm. uh, avoiding you, why they're not responding to text messages, yeah. calls, why you had a great meeting, coffee, you know, you had coffee with them. It was great, fantastic. Now they, you know, told you to kick rocks, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it, at least for me, it enables me to, it's helpful for me to, it's easier for me to give grace mm-hmm. because yeah. it, it helps me understand where people, somebody might be coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, they, uh, and it's also, I had a second point and slipping my mind. Um, <laughs> it's a story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> happens when you have kids. <laughs> yes. So um, it's helpful to know that it is also, man, Thought I almost had it. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's helpful. Um, so so be aware of it. Be considerate. Uh, considerate. Um, you never. I never want to be put in a box, so I try not to mm-hmm. put other people in boxes. Yeah. Um, and just it, especially if it helps you give grace, that's awesome. Uh, definitely recommend that. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess if you are wanting, if you let's say that you are in a relationship right now, friendship, uh, discipleship relationship, or maybe it's you know a significant other, mm-hmm. and you're looking at this like, wow, um, you know, light bulbs are going off, mm-hmm. you know, things, you're connecting dots. My caution is don't go into that relationship, especially if it's significant other, <laughs> saying, yeah. I figured you out. <laughs> 
definitely don't recommend. Um, but use this to be curious. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, honey, what was your childhood like? What, mm-hmm. um, you know, and use it to be curious so that it helps you understand. Mm-hmm. And um, that's always a good thing yeah. to be curious and ask questions. Yeah, Cur- curious questions are good damning questions are bad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um why are you the way that you are like, yeah, yeah and, 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 yeah, and the tone the tone that you ask the question yep. kind of dictates exactly how that's perceived mm-hmm. so that you actually get the result that you're looking for um like you know with your significant other for instance um you know you're always you're always learning them so take the time to learn them and ask them those questions and questions are cool because they give it gives them permission to say not right now i can't handle this or yeah you know you're my significant other could be boyfriend husband girlfriend wife whatever whatever the actual level of relationship that you're in it gives um it gives them the permission to lean into that relationship a little bit more (coughs) um yeah. So did, if you had anything else. Well, I remember what I was going to say. Oh, so <laughs> it's also helpful in when you are aware of this uh, theory, at least, um, that if you are aware, I mean, of there are some people in this world that we encounter that they are an extreme version of one of these mm-hmm. styles. Mm-hmm. Um, or not, I mean, there's, we're all on the spectrum somewhere according to theory. So Mm -hmm. being aware, um, that for some, their symptoms are the fruit of years and years of encounters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It may take years of you continually showing up in a safe, secure, soothing way that helps them to feel safe for them to finally start feeling that yeah, and yeah. growing from it. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> prayerfully keep that in mind. Prayerfully ask for, like, if you feel like this person is in your life for a reason that you know, they may be difficult for you, but you're not going to give up on them. It may take a decade mm-hmm. for yeah. for them to finally start opening up because you are the only person in their life that has continued to show up. Mm-hmm. And especially when you say, I'm not showing up, it's Jesus that's showing up through me. Like, that is, that's just so huge for them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I brought up that the church is really, especially through this lens, how the potential uh, for the church in helping people heal through this lens. I I can't think of a different of another uh, of another place. Yeah, because yeah. people let us down all the time, but the church as a whole, you know, you know, Raph, Larry, Earl may not show up at my door but Ty, you know Tyler did Trevor did you know Frank did Rick did yeah. so the church yeah. 
as a whole, I can't really remember when they have let me down. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the whole idea of the body. Mm-hmm. And when Paul introduced that, yep. <clears throat> um, because Raph, Larry, Earl might not be the people that are best equipped mm-hmm. to, you know, be there for you in the, in the way that you need it. But Trevor or, or Frank or whoever it might be, might be that exact person yep. that you need right then. And that's where the body comes in. You know, the, like a platelet can only do what a platelet does. <laughs> it can only clot blood. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it can't like, it can't produce a synapse in your brain. It's it. It, it literally cannot do that. This is a very ner- nerdy. <clears throat> oh yes. Podcast episode. This 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 gets my nerd fix for the, for the week. <laughs> um, it, it it is especially in light of you brought up uh, Paul saying mm-hmm. you know the body, and you know it's impossible for any one of us to fully embody Jesus. Yeah. So it would be ridiculous for us to think that you know. A lot of put ways put on Raph, so the lead pastor in our case, Raph. So mm-hmm. we'll focus on him. Like Raph let me down. Raph did not do this. Raph did not do that. But maybe he was never meant to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he has a role. He has gifts. He has abilities that fit in this body. Maybe we should be open to not necessarily Raph, but Bob. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, not maybe not you know you really want to connect with Larry in these kind of ways but that's not him but Frank is sitting over there you know with what you're wanting Mm -hmm. but you never considered him because you know you you know you want for whatever reason uh, specific people so just be open to how God has gifted all of us and wants to use all of us so be open to other people being used. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is a really cool segue into one of the things that you mentioned. I'm going to put my words to it. Okay. Um, but you, especially when you, you brought up Tozer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because like Tozer, you said brought a church from what a thousand to 800 or something yeah, he, like that. He built it up <clears throat> from 1100 to 800. Yeah. Yeah. So that to me is this qualitative versus quantitative thing mm-hmm. um, that you know that that gets tossed around? Okay, what would you would you rather have a good quality employee or would you rather have six mediocre employees? It's right. like no, I'd much rather have one quality employee that's able to do the work of six right. mediocre employees. And it's kind of the same thing with the to kind of bring it back into prayer mm-hmm. for a second, like. I want to have good quality prayer. Mm. And whenever we start to pray, and especially when we're thinking about growth of the church and things like that, the quality of the people in the church is going to, I think it might, it's a necessary thing and maybe even sufficient thing to grow the church um, is to have good quality prayer first. Mm. And then the quantity will grow um, in terms of the number of, quality prayers but also the number of quality prayers um so thinking about you know prayer Mm -hmm. growing the church um good quality prayer from those that are faithful in the church already Mm -hmm. is going to catalyze um growth 
in numbers within the church because we are offering quality prayer. Right. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, I'm chewing on what you just said. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I can see the gears turning. <laughs> I mean, like we said, we never like fully just recommend anything without caveats and stuff. So, so yeah. if you're listening to this, <coughs> please don't like we want. We want the room to be filled. We want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, numerous numbers of prayer prayers as possible, even if it's Lord help us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't. It could just be Lord. <laughs> yeah, uh, a quality prayer doesn't mean wordy. Yeah, and it's so we w- don't be intimidated. Like I have mm-hmm. to have a quality prayer. God, what we're saying, what I guess I, I think what. Tyler's trying to get at is God wants your quality prayers as good as you can give it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, some days that may just be a sigh of Lord, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I've had many times. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you <clears throat> sit and can wax eloquent. Um, I, I do very much agree with what you're saying. And I think on in light of that, laying on of hands is the, if you were to put prayer on a scale, mm-hmm. on the far end of quality is laying on of hands because that's how many people have been saved through that, how many people have experienced healing through laying mm-hmm. on of hands, how many that yeah. personal, um, so reserve the right to be wrong mm-hmm. in this. Um, cause it sounded weird to say it like that, <laughs> but I guess I would use that to encourage you. If you have a chance to lay hands on pray and pray with somebody, do it. Mm-hmm. Like I try in as a chaplain to be in the middle, in you know, the middle of a field, you know, sweaty, whatever. Mm-hmm. And somebody brings up a care concern and I ask if I, if I can pray for them and they say, yes, I lay hands on them. The shock, like, Oh wow. Like one, he's praying for me now Two, physical touch. So like mm-hmm. it conveys so much. Yeah. And three, it seems like God has chosen that form of prayer to do a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, I would say a caution too with laying on of hands. Um, ask permission. You, ask permission. <laughs> Qu- questions yeah. are uh, questions are a good thing. Yeah. Um, curious questions. Yes. Um, but also ask permission. But also be careful of where you're putting your hands. Yes. Um, uh, and because I, I I have a friend who if you even come close to his yep. neck he will punch you. Yep. Um, because of what happened in his childhood. Yep. So it's like shoulder could be like. Mm-hmm. the the bicep area it could be you know the like the small of their not the small of their back that's a really yeah. bad place but like kind of middle of the back some yeah. place that is um sensitive to them but yeah. also lets them know that you're there for them and um you are showing up because Christ is showing yeah. up um <clears throat> yeah there's uh well people have a weird thing with feet so you know mm-hmm. the People, there is evidence for, you know, a mandate to wash feet. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm not dictating one way or another. 
but uh, there are many people who are uncomfortable with their feet being touched. So there are practices of washing somebody's hands. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's just, you know, instead of laying your hand on their shoulder, you know, are they willing to hold hands or do you, can you just Mm -hmm. touch their forearm? Yeah. You know, being, which I think going back to the attachment thing, Mm -hmm. it may seem strange for them for somebody to even ask that question. Like you care so much about me that you are even cautious about, uh, where you engage with me, how you engage with me. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it, it, that I love that you know those curious questions really um, are are good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, so part of the reason why I, I said quality over quantity um, is like so I'm, I'm working on a concept called relational capital um, okay. that <clears throat> as as a ministry tactic. Um, so, um, the, the idea there, and I, at at first, like being with personal ministry, being catalyst for interpersonal ministry, ministry, um, I was looking at, um, the tax collector and the Pharisee in the temple praying. Um, we had this tax collector who's in the front making, Mm. he's got his arms up. He's making a big spectacle of his prayer, but yet the tax collector sitting in the back, kind of hiding himself not even willing to look mm-hmm. at the altar and beating himself and beating himself and doing mm-hmm. everything. It's almost, I hate to say it, almost masochistic the way that he's praying in a, in a sense of I'm not worthy. I need to yeah. shame myself right. for because of it. But the only thing that he says is Lord, help me a sinner. Yep. And it's like, that's a quality prayer yep. and not the prayer of the Pharisee. The quality prayer is coming open hands, right. open arms, yeah. which is why at church on a Sunday morning, yep. we end our service with open, open yeah. hands, receiving, receiving the benediction and the, <clears throat> um, as we did personal ministry at, at church, filling ourselves up, we are then able to go mm-hmm. because we've built relational capital with Christ. We can then go forward or go out of the church and build relational capital with um, with others and all of that starts with prayer. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I could nutshell what you just said, it, it's really the posture that, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That matters. Um, and there are, there will be times where you, you can't muster that posture. So you ask, you pray that God mm-hmm. gives you the posture Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of Lord help my unbelief kind of, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, um, <laughs> I, if you, if you are having trouble, like you really want to act wax eloquent, you want to grow in how you, how you pray or even what you pray. Don't be afraid to, there are, I don't want to say thousands, there are probably millions of already, they're recorded prayers by saints, Mm -hmm. uh, by apostles, by, just pray the Psalms. Mm -hmm. Just... You yeah. don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can just pray something that's already been mm-hmm. created. And that is in a posture of, you know, I think of it like, you know, 
my kids don't have to draw me a perfect picture for me to love it and for them to be blessed by it. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that they thought of me and made something with me in mind mm-hmm. sends me over the moon. Yeah. So it's it Man, doesn't I, have to be a yeah. you know a Monet <laughs> to make money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And modern art, I think, is a testament to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a completely different topic. But um, one of so as a dad, I'm I can't wait to have that. <laughs> Um, I've got a whole box <laughs> of Picasso. <laughs> yeah, and right now we're we're working on gripping of the pen or pencil yeah. and then doing that. Um, <clears throat> but but yeah, no, I think what you just said speaks volumes. Um, as you know, we're always recommending resources. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're coming to City Church and you're not given some sort of book to read, I don't think you're at the right city <laughs> church. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so one of the things that I know you were getting into um, while you were mobilized um, was Anglican theology. And, <clears throat> oh, no. <laughs> um, but one of, one of the things that they are known for is the Book of Common Prayer. Yes. And that is a beautiful resource to utilize if you don't know what to pray. Yes. Because it has it there the prayer topics span the entirety of life. Um yeah. and it's just a it's a good catalyst for your own prayer. You could start praying those don't even you don't even have to say amen at the very end, but use that to kind of yep. give Fair. you give you the push that you need yeah. to get into good quality prayer. And for the start it could just be you pray that and you set it down and mm-hmm. move on with your day. Yeah. Um yeah, I was, I was blessed to encounter uh, people from outside my own tradition down there, and a lot of preconceived notions I had about uh, different denominations, faith mm-hmm. groups, and stuff, uh, helped opened me up to a lot of things. Yeah. And one of them was the Anglican Church and some of the tools that they have, um, some of their. Uh, habits the you know mm-hmm. daily office praying morning noon uh evening and before you go to bed how even if um in each one of those you pray the lord's prayer even if that's you just have the habit mm-hmm. of five times a day four times a day you're praying the lord's prayer that is so helpful and then including the you know, each one of those times you're reading a psalm, each one of the times you're reading, you know, from the Old Testament or New Testament. Um, so if I'm saying that mm-hmm. if you are, uh, if you grew, grew up in a tradition that was anti-Episcopal, Anglican, Catholic. Um, Anti-anything that yeah. is a denomination. <laughs> <laughs> there you you are throwing out the baby with the bathwater mm-hmm. and you could be missing out on enormous source of blessing. Yeah. Um, so like as a real life example, my, one of my daughters, you know, when we sit down to pray and Hey, do you want to pray? She's scared stiffless. I don't know what to say. I don't mm-hmm. know how to say like, okay. So I asked her, what, what do you want to pray? And she's like, well, I want, you know, them to be open to Jesus. 
So mm-hmm. I took the common book of common prayer, turned to the back. It was a whole table, like, you know, growing closer to Jesus. And we prayed that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if you're, you don't have to be scared. Just, you can just say this. And because of her posture, yeah. Yeah. we know that God's going to use that. Yeah. Um, and if you are kind of finding yourself in, in that, like, oh, well, you know, Anglican Church is basically Catholic, the English version of Catholicism, <laughs> um, and therefore it, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. Just remember that um, without the Catholic Church, we wouldn't be where we're at today. So we, <laughs> if anything, we are indebted to them, and we wouldn't have... Um, we just got done reciting the Nicene Creed. Yep. Um, we wouldn't have the Nicene Creed if it wasn't for the Catholic Church. So... Yeah. Um, regardless of where they're at right now and what's going on in the Catholic church, especially, um, right around the time of the reformation, like regardless of all of that, that's, those are the type of perversions that if anything we should expect as Christians. Um, but one of the things to kind of bring it back into prayer is that Martin Luther, I don't think did any of, of what he did without consulting in prayer first. Um, Be very surprised if that was not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you know your wife mourns your behavior because you're acting like, you know, a wild boar, <laughs> a wild boar, or that 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 God is dead, uh-huh. or that that she she's mourning you because, like, uh, the way that you're acting, you might as well be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm sure without actually reading, you know, Martin Luther's commentary, like own commentaries and about his life and things like that, it wouldn't surprise me if the first thing that he did to model Jesus was to go and pray because that's exactly what Jesus does. Something big happens. He goes back, he retreats, he prays and then comes back. Yeah. There definitely is a, a habit of prayer and, uh, to touch on the, the Catholic church and Anglican dynamic and all mm-hmm. that. Um, well, I, there's a, there are many denominations that have strong ties to church history. Mm-hmm. That's usually the, one of the bigger reasons why people are afraid to engage with those traditions is because of church history. And mm-hmm. what was help? Well, I've really been blessed by, uh, this consideration. I heard it on a podcast and, that if you are, if you look at church history and disgusted, you're justified in doing so. Mm-hmm. A lot of horrific things have happened yeah. by the church, through the church, whatever. But the the thing that we miss out on by ignoring church history or trying to run from churches that are or traditions that are rooted in church history and look to the church history and derive mm-hmm. a lot from church history is the fact that give God uses a lot broken things to make things beautiful. Mm-hmm. Picasso. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Use that one again. But I mean, he does it. I mean, you, nobody would, would who's experienced Jesus personally would, would argue that he hasn't taken something broken and done something great with it, something beautiful with it. 
why he can't he do that with the church mm-hmm. that throughout the centuries he consistently even they were they were messed up they did bad horrible mm-hmm. things he still is doing something amazing with it yeah and so we shouldn't run from it but we should look at it and, and just see the hand of god mm-hmm. working in spite of us yeah and i think that that's um a good sentiment to end with yeah um to look at church history, but also do it with prayer first to learn from it so that we don't repeat it. Yeah. Um, and, and to tie it back to Acts eight and nine, mm-hmm. in the, the Sumerians could have, you know, rejected the church cause it had ties to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. but it was through Jerusalem and those Jews that, that they brought Christianity. So yeah, it's not good to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah. So, yep. Um, so Gus, thank you for, um, thank you for the safe return, but also, (laughs) (laughs) um, for walking us through, um, the relational side of prayer. Um, as much as, you know, we're all about theology and doctrine. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't want to forget the, um, we don't want to forget the orthopraxy right. or the right practice yeah. because of orthodoxy or the right belief. Mm-hmm. So thank you for making sure that that's also rooted in scripture and in prayer. Um, because without prayer, without those type of things, we kind of would be, you know, kind of legless in a, <laughs> in a battle, um, not really able to do anything. So, um, thank you again for walking us through Acts 8 and 9. Um, and for those of you that are listening to this, I want to remind you that this is not a replacement for the Sunday sermon or being in a, a good local church that is um, gospel-centric as well as Christ-centered. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because if we weren't, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. Um, so I would just encourage you to to get involved, um, but prayerfully. Do so prayerfully. Um, if you are looking for a church, do so prayerfully. Um, make sure that um, you know what they're what they're saying and doing match, mm-hmm. um, and that it lines up with Scripture. So, we will see you all next week, and have a blessed week. God bless.